All right. Welcome back to Rockford Reading Daily. Uh, this episode, we will do a, a reflection upon Letter from Birmingham Jail by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I think what I will start with is uh, the sort of some of the connections or some of the uh, uh, similarities that it has with the uh, Henry Thoreau's uh, civil disobedience essay that uh, was also read by me and another member of the May 30th Alliance. And I think that both of them sort of lay down the groundwork of challenging people to take some type of action or challenging people to uh, challenge the status quo that exists in their time period uh, and to look at things from a perspective that is that may not necessarily be the uh, privileged experience that they are having. I feel as if both Henry Thoreau and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, were primarily challenging people who were in a position of privilege to uh, look deeper into why they were in that position and the implications that 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 position of privilege had. I was just talking to somebody recently about how specifically how specific the letter from Birmingham jail is uh, to white people in general, uh, as much as it points out and speaks on things that are issues that black people were specifically and uniquely dealing with uh, and primarily dealing with and the tactics and the philosophies and ideologies that black people were uh, implementing the audience that he was reaching out to was the white clergy. Uh, and even I would say past that, the secondary audience, I believe, would be uh, white people in general and specifically white people who were, uh, I would say, not involved in some of these issues and some of these struggles. Uh, so those are some of my uh, first reflections uh, upon reading Letter from Birmingham Jail. Was it something you want to add? And I, Thoreau saw a, a similar, uh, had a similar idea. Uh, he said that something along the lines, if, if we're going to go along our pursuits in, in life and do what we want, we should make sure that we're not doing it on, on the shoulders of someone else at the expense of other people. And he, he was calling for the abolition of slavery and the end of the war with Mexico, uh, as he phrased it. And, uh, what he, what, what the connection here is that white people were benefiting off of these, or some, some white people were benefiting off of these, um, this the, the oppression of this slavery and as well as uh segregation and that people need to recognize that they're uh they're getting privileges um at the expense of other people and that they need to disrupt the status quo that uh that sets things up to be that way yeah i think that one of the excuse me one of the secondary things that comes to mind uh and really this is not in any type of 
order of importance or significance, but just as I'm thinking back and reflecting on the reading. One of the next things that comes to mind is the fact that uh, both Dr. King and Henry Thoreau spent time in jail for their uh, beliefs and for uh, their some of their stances. And I think that uh, specifically, and we sort of pointed this out in the reflection from Henry Thoreau, uh, Thoreau went to jail because of the actions he took based around his beliefs. And I would make the argument that Dr. King regularly regularly was going to jail simply because of his beliefs and simply because of his ideologies. Uh, and I think that when you Dr. King didn't too much get into the conditions that existed in the jail in this specific letter. Uh, but I think the the fact that he was writing this letter from jail and he spoke about how it was nothing much else that he had to do but to uh, sort of think these long thoughts and have these long prayers. I think that there's something to be said about both of these men cementing, and I don't know if cementing is necessarily the proper word for this specific use, but the 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 way in which I believe their beliefs will be uh, altered and will be shaped by their experiences from being in jail. This was not Dr. King's first time being in jail and being arrested for uh, his beliefs and for the actions that he was taking. And I do believe that when you have these political beliefs, when you have these uh, these certain ideologies that require you to challenge the status quo, that require you to come face to face with. Uh, oh, hold on real quick. Batteries. Uh, go switch the batteries real quick. I think this happened on the last reflection episode. Hold on, we gonna switch the batteries. All right, so we had some technical difficulties. Excuse me, we had some technical difficulties yesterday when we were recording this episode. Should have moved that chair, my fault. Uh, we had some technical difficulties yesterday recording the episode. Uh, we are recording this outside of City Hall. Most of these Rafa Reading Dailies take place outside of City Hall. A few of them take place in other areas as well. But the the temperature in January right now is... Uh, getting into single digits and so that altered how our batteries were performing altered how the phone was uh performing and so we are picking up where we left off yesterday today continuing with having the reflection on uh letter from birmingham jail by martin luther king jr where we one of the last things i believe that we talked about was the experience of dr king being in jail and and thoreau being in jail and the similarities between both of them being uh in in prison for for their ideologies or for actions excuse me, that they were taking around their ideologies. Uh, I think one of the other things that stands out for me from letter from Birmingham jail is the is some of the specific quotes that I, I have regularly sort of added to my arsenal. And the one that stands out maybe the most that I probably have also used the most is uh, when Dr. King speaks about how the church used to be a, a thermostat that could adjust the climate or that would be willing to adjust the climate of the society as opposed to being simply a thermometer that could tell you what the climate of the society is. And I think that that's something that we all have to begin to strive for in, a, in an effort to have a more humane society, a more equitable society, because of the fact that most of the people in political positions of power, uh, most of the people that are in financial positions of power are people who benefit from the status quo, are people who benefit from 
<clears throat> understanding what the climate currently is and continuing to keep the climate in that way. Anybody who has profited from racial injustice is not is not going to be necessarily in a position where they feel it's advantageous to them to try to get rid of uh, racial injustice. People who have profited from police terrorism, profited from mass incarceration, are not going to feel as if it's uh, advantageous for them to uh, eradicate police terrorism and mass incarceration. And so I think it becomes incumbent upon uh, us, specifically people who have dealt with the negative effects of police terrorism and mass incarceration and racial injustice to not simply be uh, thermometers letting people know that this is what's going on that this is what exists in this society but we must uh, strive to be thermostats that are willing and learning ways to uh, adjust what the the climate is and the uh, where, where the society is currently at uh i think one of the other sayings that stands out for me that dr king uh touched on within the letter from birmingham jail uh man i don't want to I don't want to misquote. I don't want to misquote him. Uh, I don't think I got the book out. Did you have anything you wanted to add specifically or anything you want to add in general? Don't got to be the same thing that I said or piggyback off anything that I said. Going along with the theme of quotes, uh, uh, I appreciate the quote uh, in the last uh, reading with Thoreau. And he said something along the lines that a just person in an unjust society uh, belongs in in jail. And he, uh, Thoreau, believed that by paying the taxes that he was in prison for for not paying, he would be uh, giving his allegiance to the state as well as giving the state means towards uh, uh, taking actions that he believed were unjust in upholding uh, the institution of slavery and uh, like and fighting the war, uh, the Mexican War, I think is the way you phrase it. Uh, so he, he saw... The power and what what uh, going along with the what uh, the the status quo would say in paying his taxes, and he he felt that to do that would be wrong, and he accepted the consequences for it. And I think that's the essence of what uh, civil disobedience here is: uh, that it's seeing injustice taking just action and facing the take accepting the consequences for it which is why dr king is in jail here or in part that he he has his beliefs and his ideology he wants to uh bring an end to segregation and he's organizing direct actions to do it and Despite maybe orders or and threats against him, he's taking the just action and bearing the consequences. So I think one of the things that stands out to me is there's a, a couple of paragraphs here where Dr. King speaks on extremism and speaks on his initial dissatisfaction with being entitled an extremist. 
Uh, but then he begins to dive deeper into different people, different historical figures who have been extremists for different issues that existed at in, the, in their lifetimes. And I think the sentence here, perhaps the South, the nation and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. And I think that that's something that rings very rings very close to home with some of the actions that the May 30th Alliance has taken. I think a lot of times people view the occupation, the amount of time that the occupation has went on, the uh, inclement weather that the occupation has endured through some of the uh, terroristic attacks by police officers that members of the May 30th Alliance have dealt with while the occupation has went on all as acts of extremism. And I, I feel, you know, pretty similar in uh, a lot of times or at, at times at the initial onset of some of these things, I would feel as if uh, being entitled an extremist or somebody saying that a, a action is extreme was something that had a negative connotation to it. And I think that as time has went on and I have my understanding has become deeper and uh, the issues have been illuminated and highlighted to such an extent that I understand that what we are dealing with is an extreme issue and that the only way to eradicate the society of extreme evils is to find a way to participate in extreme good. And I think that it's not it's not not only is it necessary to be willing to engage and participate in extreme acts of good of goodwill but the part here where dr king speaks of uh, of create creativity and the importance of the creativity and the extremism i believe is very true too i think that when we speak about the memorials that have been put up down at the occupation of city hall when we speak about uh the chalk when we speak about some of the uh things we have done to try to articulate and communicate with the with the city why these issues are important and why these issues need to be addressed i think that all of those things fall into the realm of creativity and they have all been uh, put together with some type of uh, creative creative initiative and i hope and i think that one of the other things that comes along with uh, creative extremism is it inspires others who even if they're not necessarily dealing with the same struggle that you're dealing with other people who see wrongs in a society that they want to adjust or that they want to change or they want to eradicate when they see somebody uh, somebody else or another organization actively engaging in this type of creative extremism uh, it inspires them to engage in creative extremism uh, the and I say that specifically as well, too, because the memorials that we have down at Say Their Name Square were inspired by watching some of the actions that activists in Baltimore took around the time Freddie Gray was murdered. Uh, the, the occupation in general of City Hall is something that came from uh, the, the notable Occupy uh, Wall Street movement that was going on and also came from the uh, notable actions that Dr. King was uh, getting ready to take towards the end of his life when he was going to take the nation's poorest people down to D.C. and stay indefinitely until the country began to have a uh, have a, a, a annual or a regular livable wage that was paid to people uh, in an effort to try to eradicate and get rid of poverty. And, and so I think that it is it's very important 
from one of the things that not only from this letter, but from multiple writings and multiple other things that uh, multiple other things that I, we have sort of engaged with throughout the two years that the that the occupation is, has been going on throughout the two years that the May 30th Alliance has been in existence to uh, be inspired by things that other activists have done and to hope that we can also inspire other activists and other people uh, to participate and engage and to find uh, a place that they can uh, be extremist uh, and, and, and engage in acts of extreme goodwill. Uh, did you have anything you want It's important to keep in mind that the fight for justice, the path towards freedom, is a collective struggle that uh, we as individuals, we're only one cog in this this fight and that it's uh, not any fight that's new, it's not any fight that's ending. Uh, Dr. King had still had and still has the great effect of inspiring uh, lots of people across the world and the what's powerful beyond just what he did with his life is that he left a, a legacy that continues to inspire and uh, to be a revolutionary maybe uh, someone that'd be called an extremist uh, there's gotta be a recognition of uh, what the individual plays uh, how what role the individual plays in the revolution one of the other things that was what up what up what up one of the other things that was notable about the letter from Birmingham jail is Martin Luther King Jr.'s condemnation of people who of moderates essentially people who were uh, on the fence about some of these issues and he he speaks about specifically this sentence stands out to me shout these sentences excuse me shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection and i think that that as many things that dr king points out in here or speaks about in here sort of challenge what maybe people would think is the uh i think most people would feel as if having somebody who has lukewarm acceptance is better than somebody who has outright rejection that dealing with somebody with shallow understanding who at least is of goodwill is better than dealing with with somebody who has absolute misunderstanding uh from ill will and i think that before I had become so involved in some of the things that were going on here, I may have uh, also felt similarly. And I think that there may be certain things in life where this is that may be the case that it's better to have lukewarm acceptance or shallow understanding. Uh, but when it comes to these specific issues that take collective action to absolve that these type of issues that take uh what stands out to me uh, heavily, and this is a little bit of a, a diverting, still on the same topic, just trying to, I guess, taking a longer, longer route to get to it to this point. But reading the book "How to Be an Anti-Racist" by Ibram X. Kennedy, and he, throughout the book, he he points out that there is no room for middle ground when it comes to racism. That it is, you're either an anti-racist or you're a racist, and that most people 
try to exist in that middle ground because uh, being anti-racist means you have to stand up when racist policies are brought out or when racist procedures are brought out or when racist rhetoric is espoused uh, and being and if you're racist, then, you know, when somebody is being anti-racist, you stand up against that. Uh, but a lot of people try to exist in that middle ground where they're able to not say anything. You know, they're they're not racist, but they're not anti-racist either. They're not actively trying to eradicate racism or uh, uh, challenge people who are espousing racist rhetoric. Uh, but they also will tell you that they don't espouse racist rhetoric, that they don't engage in those racist ideologies. And I think for far too long, people have been OK with accepting uh, people being in the middle ground. And one of the things that Dr. King points out here uh, perfectly is how being in the middle ground does not serve to assist in anti-racism, that it serves to assist in racism uh, because racism is uh, is the is the dominant ideology. And so when one ideology is dominant and another one is uh, su is submissive or uh, less dominant, if you are choosing to not be on either side, then you're assisting the dominance. You're uh, helping the dominance uh, continue. Uh, you're perpetuating what the status quo is. The uh, people who benefit from police terrorism, who benefit from mass incarceration, who benefit from racial injustice are completely fine with people uh, not being against the police or for the police, just being in the middle. People not being against mass incarceration or for mass incarceration, just being in the middle. People not being against racial injustice or for racial injustice, just being in the middle. Because as long as they're in the middle, it means they, they aren't challenging the people who are profiting from these things. Uh, and I think that that's something that has to be articulated uh, to people of shallow understanding people who do have lukewarm acceptance to uh, if they are already at the place where they have a shallow understanding and they have a lukewarm acceptance that they can't be uh, content with staying stagnant in that lukewarm acceptance or that shallow understanding but they are constantly struggling and uh, uh, actively trying to deepen that understanding and that they are actively trying to uh, turn that lukewarm acceptance into uh, a, a total acceptance uh, and, and those are all things that I believe are, are very important to point out when we're going through and reading this. Did you have? And in this group we're referring to as the moderates, the, the lukewarm. Uh, this this group, what it does by by not taking stances on these, not actively being anti-racist, they're participating in a white power structure that uh har ends up harming everybody uh everybody but the people that sit on top of, of it and and uh and and control us uh, the 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 moderates uh that are are participating in the white power structure are not being most of them are not being benefited here uh, these the issues of police terrorism, mass incarceration, racial injustice directly and indirectly negatively affect everyone. Uh, so it's it's against the interest of of the vast majority of people to to be uh, moderate in the, in these issues. Uh, you. It's the best interest of everybody to be anti-racist.
Okay. <clears throat> I think one of the other things, and we talked about this yesterday, but it, it didn't get brought into... It didn't end up being on the episode because of some of the technical difficulties that we were dealing with. But the institution of the church is something that is pointed out here throughout this reading heavily. And I don't think that I don't necessarily want to get as intricate into the institution of the church that Dr. King did. Uh, But what I will say is this. I think that there are multiple institutions that exist in our society that whether they be the church, schools, uh, policing, city government, county government, federal government, that have ideals that they espouse that they don't live up to. And I think that it's incumbent upon the individuals who are a part of those institutions or even the individuals who uh, may be individuals who may be uh, bought into these institutions. Everybody isn't. Obviously, we are not bought into the institution of policing or the institution of the city government or the institution of the county government because of our ideological beliefs. Uh, But it's I I believe it's also erroneous to think that overnight you can change everybody's ideological beliefs, that you can make everybody agree with the things you agree with overnight. But what I do think is feasible is challenging people to force these institutions to live up to those ideals, to live up to those standards. And there is a a standard that is espoused by the church, a standard that that says that the church is for the good, a standard that says that uh, the church is for what you would consider to be just. And I don't think that anybody could reasonably make the argument, even at the time that this was going on, that segregation was just or that segregation was uh, for the good. I think that uh, from a, a individual standpoint, that's something that you could do. But through the institution of the church, that would, would without without uh, contradicting some of the beliefs that lie within the church, you cannot do that. And the same thing goes for uh, the city government. The same thing goes for county government, for uh, public schools, the schooling system, all of these different things. You know, even when you think about the country, uh, the one of the things that's most synonymous with the United States of America is the statement that all men are created equal. And besides the fact that within that sentence, it it leaves out a, a, essentially 50 percent of the population because women aren't considered in there uh it's also just untrue that every man even when this was written was considered to be equal uh but it doesn't change the fact that that is the idea the ideal that is being espoused and i think that we have to as we are trying to create new institutions create new organizations uh create new ideologies we have to also challenge and struggle against the institutions and organizations and ideologies that exist now to live up to some of these uh some of these ideals that have been espoused and i think that people like dr king and there's multiple different iterations of Dr. King's that exist now in the sense that there is somebody who is partaking in the church who disagrees with police terrorism, who disagrees with mass incarceration, disagrees with racial injustice. Uh, But they're at a church that does not feel the need to speak out against those things or challenge those things. I believe it's incumbent upon that individual to uh, to exert pressure to uh, force that institution to speak out on those things. It's incumbent upon politicians who uh, come into office who understand the uh, negatives 
that exist in the city government or county government to uh, challenge the city and the county governments to live up to these ideals that are being espoused. Uh, and again, I don't think that 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 uh, that eradicates the fact that we need new institutions, that we need new organizations, that we need new ideologies. Uh, but in the process of getting to those things, something else that we have to, I believe, be striving for is to uh, make adjustments and make progress in some of the institutions and organizations and ideals that exist now. Uh, okay, we're at about 27 minutes, 28 minutes. Uh, I don't think it's anything else particularly to, to speak about in here. This was a, a shorter, shorter passage, shorter read, so some of the reflections for these shorter ones sort of get to a place where you're echoing things you said during the readings. Uh, so I, I do want to encourage people who maybe listen to this episode and have not listened to us reading the entirety of Letter from Birmingham Jail to uh, go back and listen to the previous episodes of Ride for Reading Daily. I would also encourage people to listen to Dr. King's uh, reading Letter from Birmingham Jail himself, which you can find on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, I, I, uh, Apple Podcasts. This is one of the, I would I would think, one of the most, his most popular audio that's out there from dr king uh, i would also encourage people to go and read letter from birmingham jail uh, themselves i'm sure it's easy to find a pdf online uh, there's multiple books that dr king has that that this specific letter is located in why we can't wait is something that comes to mind and the book that the one we read it in read it from today or through these readings was from an autobiography modern luther king jr's autobiography uh, I would also encourage people to go and listen to previous episodes of Rock for Reading Daily. I believe one of the things that we're uh, we're in the process of of striving for is connecting all of these different pieces of literature with each other and connecting these different concepts with each other and, and, and just forming a, a big puzzle or a bigger picture of what some of these issues look like. Uh, that after this episode, we will begin reading High Risers by... Uh, Steve, I don't think, I can't remember what his specific name is right now. Ben Austin, High Rises by Ben Austin, which is about uh, public housing in United States of America and specifically public housing in Chicago. And to be even more specific, uh, Cabrini Green, which is one of the most infamous public housing uh, in, in the world. Uh, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap this episode up? All right. So we're going to wrap this episode up again. I want to encourage you to share this on whatever platform you're listening to it on. We put these episodes out on a daily basis to provide people the opportunity to begin or further their journey in the struggle to end police terrorism, mass incarceration and racial injustice. We outside. See you tomorrow. Well, I guess be back tomorrow. I won't necessarily see you tomorrow. <laughs>